Let's pray together. Our Father, we would ask that you would give us understanding into your word, understanding into our own hearts, that we might rest alone in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. May be seated. I would invite you to open God's word with me to two passages, Colossians 3 and Philippians chapter 4. We'll be looking at them in a few minutes. We are in a series on the Tenth Commandment. And let me read that for you again from Exodus 20 and verse 17. God's word says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. So what is the sin of coveting? And what is it not? Coveting is not to have desires. The scriptures tell us many places we are to desire many things. We're to desire and thirst to know God. Psalm 42, we're to desire the the growth and the blessing of Christ's church. We're to desire gain and improvement in our lives. We're to enjoy God-given desires of our body and soul. And we're certainly to desire things we're better in this broken world, Romans 8. So where's that line between legitimate desires... Legitimate desires to excel, to do better. Where's the boundary then you've stepped over now into coveting? Where is that line between window shopping and enjoying new clothes and seeing the new models of cars and new tools? And where's the, watching the home improvement programs and desiring beauty and improvement to stepping over the line to coveting? Where's that line? We began last Lord's Day to ask that question, where is the sin of coveting? And we looked last week that it is to want, desire, what God has forbid. And that's very clear in many places in Scripture. Let's go a little deeper today. Coveting is more than desiring what God forbids, but today we'll be looking at this, that coveting is wanting more, or different than what God has provided. And then we'll begin to ask, what's the remedy for coveting? Coveting is wanting more or different than what God has provided. Randy Alcorn defines coveting as to, quote, long for and to be preoccupied with having what God has not given us. How do you see that? Coveting, wanting more or different than what God has provided, could be expressed as envy. Westminster Larger Catechism 148, what are the sins forbidden in the Tenth Commandment? And the answer is envy and grieving at the good of our neighbor. Modern English uses jealousy and envy and coveting all really as synonyms, but the Bible makes a distinction. What's the difference between jealousy and envy? Jealousy is wanting, yes, what another has, but it's also the the fear of losing what you do have. And so in that sense, it can be used in a good sense. You've already seen it up in the second commandment. God is a jealous God, Exodus 20 verse 5. So it isn't always sinful. It's desiring what somebody has. You You might even say in a marriage, it's exclusive love. You're jealous for your spouse's love. 
But envy in the scripture is never used in a good sense. Envy is, yes, wanting what another has, but it's also included and resenting that they have it, wishing that they would lose it, even if it never came to you. We are to be genuinely happy at the success of others without any resentment that we weren't included. But not envy. Envy strikes out at the happiness or the success of others. It's an inner satisfaction when that millionaire has lost his money. It's that inner satisfaction when a very powerful person has fallen in disgrace or your enemy has stumbled. Envy is behind the tongue that gossips because you want to bring down the reputation of another person. You don't want them to be well thought of. That's envy. Envy is really what's driving cultural Marxism, isn't it? It's, not want, it's an envy of what other people have and wishing they didn't have it. And you, you can be sure of this. The sin of covetousness can be institutionalized. Envy comes from our own sinful hearts. Envy is really an aching dissatisfaction with who we are or who we are not. It breeds a way of life that involves constantly comparing ourselves with others and quantifying our successes and failures against our own self-worth. It is actually no way of life at all. The sin of envy leads to a slow death. Steve Sacconi. The Bible forbids envy. Proverbs 14.30, envy makes the bones rot. We read it in Galatians. The list of the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians 5.26. Believers are to rid themselves of all envy, 1 Peter 2.1, because love does not envy, 1 Corinthians 13.4. Charles Hodge writes, as envy is the antithesis of love, it is of all sins that is most opposed to the nature of God and more effectually than any other excludes us from his fellowship. May God show us our secret sins, the sins of envy that we might repent of them. Coveting is wanting more or different than what God has provided, and that could be expressed as envy. There's another expression. Wanting more or different than what God has provided could be expressed as greed. Greed is an inordinate desire to have more than what God has provided. In fact, the Greek word for greed is to thirst for having more. 1 Corinthians 5.11, I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed. Or as an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, do not even eat with such a one. You can't have a credible profession of faith if a person is living in an unrepenting of greed. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, take heed, beware, be on your guard against all kinds of greed or greed of every description because life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. You can't define your life with your stuff. That's not how you define life. And Jesus uses a word stronger than beware. It's, it's actually be on, be on guard, take the offense. 
to make sure that you don't fall into this, Jesus warns us more about the sins of greed and coveting than he does of sexual sins. We should all start with the assumption, I'm probably more blind to the sin of greed than I realize. That we should start there because it's, a, it's our culture. John Stott said that greed is the most common sin of the affluent nations of the 21st century. We're so we're blind to it. Isn't it the American way to get ahead? And isn't it the way that we often define our identity by our things? We confuse person and things so often. He must be a happy person. Why? Because he lives in a big house. You evaluate a job. You evaluate a college degree. By how much does it pay? How much is it worth? But your identity is not defined in stuff. That's a very false, it's a very deceptive connection in its greed. This is the reason why gambling is, this, is a serious sin. It comes from greed. It takes many forms, the state lotteries, the betting pools at the office, betting on a ball game, even charities, nonprofits, raffle tickets for that new car, the color television. Quote, more than half of all Protestants and nearly half of those who said that religion is very important to them reported having gambled at least once in the last year. Almost one-fourth of the general population plays the lottery weekly. Certainly were to give to charities, but without the expectation of getting anything in return. Give to the charity, but don't take the raffle ticket. Someone has observed that giving the prize for these fundraisers is actually going to destroy benevolence because people will not give unless it feeds their greed. Gambling is greed. Lawsuits can be from greed. Yes, the Bible allows for just restitution, making the other person whole, but it's greed to try to test the limits of how much money we can get. And many in the legal profession are to be condemned as feeding greed. We're reaping the consequences so often in the financial markets. It wouldn't be an overstatement to say that the worldwide financial crisis we were in a few years ago was in large part caused by breaking of the Tenth Commandment. Greed, banks forced to lend money to people living beyond their means, institutions and people investing on the psychology of greed rather than sound financial principles. Let's take it personal. Personal debt can be an expression of greed. Those who do not pay off their credit cards each month living with debt in order to finance a standard of living beyond their income It might come from a sense of entitlement. It might come from a sense, well, we feel we need it. We feel we deserve it. But at root, it's greed. The average household consumer debt last month, September 2021, consumer debt in the United States is $14.96 trillion. Average person's debt in this country is $54,000. The average household debt is $155,000. Credit cards are the most common type of debt. The average household post-COVID credit card debt 
on average is $7,854. And the root is that 90% of people who purchase on credit cards cannot afford to pay it off each month. The answer to living beyond your means is to repent of the sin of greed. It's wanting more or different than what God has provided, and this is serious. It's not just a lack of discipline. It's not just being impulsive. It's not just poor budgeting. It's exposing the heart of the sin of coveting, the sin of greed. Sin of coveting is wanting more or different than what God has provided. And that might show up as envy. It might show up as greed. There's a third way. It can show up as idolatry. Turn to Colossians 3, verses 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and here it is, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Do you hear the warning? Do you believe that? The breaking of the Tenth Commandment is not a flip. It's not a matter of no consequence. The wrath of God is coming on covetousness. And the scripture here says that covetousness is idolatry. How is covetousness idolatry? If your relationship to God through Jesus Christ, him, and the gifts that he's chosen to give you, do they make you happy and content and satisfied and centered? If they don't, you see, If you need something other than God himself or what God has chosen to give you to make you happy and satisfied and find comfort and peace and joy, then you're looking somewhere else other than God supremely to satisfy your heart and therefore it is idolatry. Do you see how the 10th commandment, do not covet, is brought us right back to the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul when we desire something more or different than God himself or what he's chosen to provide for us in love. We're breaking the 10th commandment. We're also breaking the first commandment. John Piper observes covetousness is desiring something so much that you lose your contentment in God because coveting is idolatry. Coveting, wanting more or different than what God has provided could be expressed as envy, greed, idolatry. Also, number four, coveting, wanting more or different than what God has provided could be expressed as discontentment. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, just over a page. If you're discontent with your circumstances, you need to examine your heart prayerfully. Am I really dealing with the sin of coveting? Westminster Larger Catechism asks, what are the sins forbidden in the Tenth Commandment? The answer begins with, the sins forbidden in the Tenth Commandment are discontentment with my estate. The Tenth Commandment in Exodus 20.17 is, do not covet your neighbor's house, do not covet your neighbor's wife. 
And it goes on, there's nothing wrong with these things. There's nothing wrong with wanting to marry, nothing wrong with wanting a house, but the point is God didn't give them to you. They're not yours. And coveting can be a lot more than just desiring money or possessions that God hasn't, hasn't given you. And perhaps for most of us, coveting is also wanting more or different circumstances than what God has ordained for you. If only. Single person says, if only I had a wife. Married person says, if only I had a different wife. If only I had better health. If only I didn't have to struggle with this chronic illness. If only. Quote, the syndrome, if only I had or when I get, is basically breaking the Tenth Commandment, Ralph Winter. Discontentment most often arises from ongoing and unchanging circumstances that we can do nothing about. Jerry Bridges. If you're not content with what God has ordered for your life, if you want more or different than what he has ordained, you're coveting. Philippians 4.11 is open before you, and Paul is writing this from a Roman prison. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. In whatever circumstance, literally it's in everything and in all things. What is it that God has brought into your life and you're not happy about? You wish you had something other, something different, something more. You need to examine your heart for the sin of discontentment, or call it what it is, the sin of coveting. How can we tell if we're discontent? Well, maybe, first of all, stop or limit your use of Facebook and Instant Messenger where you're constantly comparing yourself to quote, quote, perfect people. Learn to read the emotions of your heart. Sometimes you're upset and you need to be quiet and prayerfully ask, what is it? Am I really dealing with being discontent? And one of those emotions might be anger. You didn't get what you thought you deserved, and you need to examine your heart. Is it because you're discontent with who God is and what he's chosen to provide for you or not provide for you? How can you tell if you're discontent? One sure way is listen to your tongue. (laughs) The complaining or grumbling on our tongue is the sin of discontentment. It's the sin of coveting. You remember the account in Numbers 11 when God's people were in the wilderness and they complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Picking up in verse 4, and the people of Israel also wept and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt and cost us nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. 
discontent with manna, God miraculously providing for this nation their daily needs and murmuring and complaining against his provision, and God counted that as rebellion. Murmuring and complaining is telling God, you got it wrong. Go down to verse 33 in Numbers 11, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague, and therefore the name of that place is called Kibroth Hatava, which means graves of greed, because there they buried the people who had the coveting. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 10.10 refers back to this, and do not grumble as some of them did, and they were killed by the destroying angel. We face the same sins. The grumbling, the discontentment is breaking the 10th commandment. Do not covet. If we're discontent with our circumstances, the solution is not just to change the circumstances. Oh, certainly there is a time when a person's in a bad or unsafe or unwise circumstance and you need to seek godly counsel and you need to change your situation absolutely. Or when it's time for a rest and recharging, renewal, you need a change of environment or change of schedule, absolutely. But somebody who's discontent and is focused on almost compulsive that if I can just change my circumstances, I'll be happy. No, you won't. Changing your circumstances will not stop the sin of coveting. Oh, if I could just change my job, if I could just change my health, if I could just change my parents, I'm going to walk out on this marriage because I'm not happy, and that'll make me happy, that'll make me content. No, it won't. Why? Because it hasn't changed the heart. Coveting is a heart matter. It's not the circumstances. It's because it's our response to our circumstances rather than the degree of difficulty that determines whether or not we are discontent, Jerry Bridges. Discontentment is not ultimately because of your circumstance. So if you could just change your circumstance, you wouldn't be discontent. No, it's the attitude toward your circumstances, which is the heart. Ralph Winter writes, it is not just the event of loss or disappointment or frustration on its own, but it is our attitude to these situations that's so important. Crises may bring about a reassessment of values, life goals, attitudes to death, possessions, career, and relationships. What we think about these things will deeply affect what we feel about them and how they influence our lives. We cannot blame the past or the difficulties in our lives for all our problems. It's how we react to them that matters. So if just changing your circumstances doesn't solve the problem of being discontent, what's the answer? And we'll be looking at this in the weeks to come. But to be even to get a beginning approach to dealing with coveting as it expresses itself in all of its forms, whether that's greed or idolatry or envy or discontentment, you need to start here. That the remedy for coveting is to be content with what God has provided. Larger Catechism 147, the duties required in the Tenth Commandment are a full contentment with our condition. Contentment doesn't mean that you don't try to improve your situation, absolutely we can. But contentment means 
that you're at peace right now with where God has you. How do you get that contentment? Contentment is to accept what God has in love provided for you. Because you see, coveting is at its heart a fear that God is not good, that God will not provide, God will not care for you. Hebrews 13.5 says, be content with what you have. Why? He said, I will never leave you. He loves you. This is why you can be content. And so the opposite, discontent, you don't really believe that God is good. You don't really believe that this way that God has brought you is the very best way for you, that in love he's, he's ordained these situations for you and he will design them all in love for your best and for his glory. It's in love that he predestined you before the world began, Ephesians 1, 4. Why don't you believe him for all the rest? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, this is why at its heart worry can also be the sin of coveting. If a person is not at peace as they go through trials, if they're bitter or resentful or chafing or anxious or worried, look in the heart. It might be a person is not really believing that God's good and that he is aware and that he's loving and that he will provide for me. Then at root, the worry is coveting. It's breaking the 10th commandment. The remedy is contentment to accept what God and his love has provided for you. And secondly, contentment is to accept what God and his sovereignty has provided for you. God has the right to ordain what he's ordained. And to desire something different or other than what he's ordained, you see, is to rebel against him. God gives gifts as he has sovereignly chosen. To some he gives more, some he gives less. To those he gives more, he's going to require a greater accountability, greater responsibility. But contentment is to accept what God and his providence has ordained for you. And he doesn't make mistakes. He's too wise to make mistakes. And so you ask God for the ability to use your circumstances for his glory. Jerry Bridges again, in this way you move from the attitude of victim to the attitude of stewardship. If God has ordained this, then how can I use it for his glory? Contentment is to accept what God and his love has provided for you. Contentment is to accept what God and his sovereignty has provided for you. And third, contentment then is to accept with thanks what God has provided for you. We must do all things without murmuring or complaining. Philippians 2.14, rather, give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. A believer whose heart is focused constantly on giving thanks to God in gratitude cannot be discontent. Cannot be. At Joanne Wilson's birth, their friend and pastor, Hunter Dockery, and he tells the story of himself was stumbling with his words, trying to give our friends Henry and Monona comfort because their daughter, Joanne, was born with half a brain and was continually having seizures. The doctors gave her really no hope. Perens today, 
Joanne is 31 years old and lives with Henry and Winona. Pastor Hunter at this moment, though, was stumbling with his words, and he said of Joanne's birth, God is not in this. This is a result of the fall. And Henry, Joanne's father, responded gently, No, we really believe that nothing comes our way except at the hand of God. And as severe as it may be, we know the gentleness of the Father. Is your heart at peace today? If not, could that be a sign of being discontent? I'm not talking about just resigning yourself to circumstances that will never change. That can be just nothing more than suppressing anger or smoldering discontentment. No, acceptance is by faith in God's love and God's control and giving thanks in all circumstances. The sin of coveting is wanting more or different than what God has provided. The remedy for coveting is to be content with what he has provided. We need the commandments of God. We need the Tenth Commandment to show us our sin. There is no hope for any human being to ever stand before God and thinks that they're going to present their own good works and their own goodness before God. The Tenth Commandment goes deep into our hearts to show us our sin is so systemic that we'll despair of ever stand, being good enough to stand before God. The Tenth Commandment is to show us our Savior. Remember the subtext of the whole Bible is that God's coming to the rescue. You can't rescue yourself. You need a Savior. And Christ has come. And Christ has come and paid for all of our sins upon the cross. When he was on the cross, our sins were transferred to him. And he took the punishment that was due them. And so he can cleanse us from all of our sins. We need cleansing from sin far deeper than we've ever imagined. God's wrath for our grumbling was placed upon Christ. So it will never be placed upon us. And then you have his perfect obedience. He never grumbled once. He was never discontent once with what God had ordained. And that perfect obedience is credited to you. That's the surety of the new covenant. And that's why you stand before God and you will never be rejected believer. Let the Tenth Commandment bring you to Christ again today in repentance and faith. All of our sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we stand in such a perfect righteousness that we are accepted before God. And let the Tenth Commandment bring you to rely more and more upon God the Holy Spirit. For it is he that gives you both the willing and the doing of God's good pleasure. Ask him to show you when that first seed of discontentment has germinated and need to pull the weeds quickly. God's word tells us, you shall not covet. Shall we pray?
Our Father in heaven, we come humbly before you because we know that we can't get through even a few minutes of our life without breaking this commandment. How grateful we are for the Lord Jesus Christ who has paid for all of our sin and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. How grateful we are to have his righteousness as the basis of the the new covenant. Cause us by your spirit to having looked in the mirror of your word to not walk away forgetting what we've seen and heard but that we might prayerfully get to work by the power of your spirit to more and more put to death even our sinful deeds and desires so that we might be conformed to the likeness of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.